Everyone, and welcome to The Year Was, the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party, causing all your friends to question, hey, who invited you? Like, seriously, why are you here? I'm your host, Michael Montalvin. For the next few minutes, we will swim through the river of time to find out what makes today truly unique. On this episode, we examine the events that occurred February 12th. So, February has been a difficult month for topics. Do you want to know that Immanuel Kant died 1804, or that George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue premiered in 1924, or even how Barbie and Ken broke up in 2004? You know, the real important stuff. In all my time doing these episodes, few are as crazy as the one you're about to hear. Are you sure you don't want to hear about Barbie and Ken? On the morning of February 12, 1993, James Bulger was a happy two-year-old full of life, love, and wonder. However, by the day's end, he would be dead and would not be found for an additional two days. While you would expect me to say that a man or a man and a woman were behind the whole terrible ordeal, what makes this a particularly troubling case is this. The year was 1993, and on this day, February 12th, John Venables and Robert Thompson, two 10-year-olds, abducted and murdered James Bulger. So why did they do it? We don't really know. Both Venables and Thompson would go on to blame the other, and no real reason has ever really been given for their actions. Here's what we do know about the day in question. Venables and Thompson both skipped school that day, deciding instead to go to the shopping center, or mall as I will refer to it, and according to allthatsinteresting.com, spent the day stealing from shops and then throwing their stolen goods down the escalator. At some point, they must have gotten bored and made the decision to steal a kid. They made their way to the T.J. Hughes where they located a boy and a girl. Coaxing them from their mother, the two boys abandoned the girl and began beckoning the boy towards them. And that's when Venable saw the mother appear. The mother had panicked when she couldn't locate her children and began to search for them. Upon locating her daughter, she was told the son had gone with the boy, rushing outside she saw him. The mother called to him and Venables told him to go back to her before he and Thompson made their exit. This boy was not James Bulger. Instead, James Bulger was with his mother, Denise, while she was shopping. The two boys, having already failed to lure a child away, saw Bulger and while his mother was distracted, called him over to them. Taking his hand, they led him out of the mall towards his fate. The time was 3.42 p.m. What happened next, I don't know if you can really call the bystander effect. For those who don't know, it basically says that the more people there are, the less likely you are to do something or help someone in trouble. Many people who saw the three assumed them to be brothers, so it was probably a mix of that and some confusion. So now that they had Bulger, what were they going to do with him? While Denise went into panic mode, Venables and Thompson were ignoring the cries of James calling for his mother. 
They took him to a nearby canal and dropped him on his head, which cut and bruised him. They were spotted by a woman who passed by, and so they left him there. She did nothing. Meanwhile, with no sign of Bulger at the mall, a missing persons report was called in to police. It was now 4.15 p.m. Venables and Thompson returned and once again called for Bulger to follow them, and he did. But because of his injury, they pulled his hood down to hide the bruise. Many people passed them. Some saw the injury on his forehead, and one saw tears coming down from Bulger's eyes, but no one did anything. The boys walked down a busy street in Liverpool, and Bulger was reportedly witnessed laughing and resisting and screaming for his mother. The All That's Interesting article states that a woman saw the boys hit Bulger, but she only closed her curtains. Through all of it, only a few people would stop and question the boys. One woman confronted them and was told, we just found him at the bottom of the hill. She would later regret not doing more. Another woman told the two boys she would take James to the police and asked a nearby woman to watch her daughter. The woman responded her dog did not like kids and refused and they let the boys go on their way. Why she couldn't take her daughter to the police station with her, I don't know. Two shopkeepers stopped the boys but let them go, and that's when they finally made their way to the railway. Once there, they poured paint into Bulger's eye, kicked him, stoned him, and shoved batteries in his mouth. They hit him on the head with an iron bar and gave him ten fractures. In all, 42 injuries were inflicted upon him, but he was so badly beaten that we don't know which one was the fatal blow. The two boys then took the dead body and placed it on the railroad track and then left. A train would come, and much like the Black Dahlia before him, he would be cut in two. This all occurred around 6.30 p.m. Now, as you might imagine, the parents of James Bulger were suspects in their son's disappearance, much like the Ramses. The police would search the canal because of the eyewitnesses that saw him there, but little progress was made, and then the police saw the surveillance footage. At this point, the body had yet to be found, and so when Bulger's father, Ralph, saw it, he said, he's with two young kids, he's gonna be alright. Two days after James Bulger was killed, four kids found him in the rail yard only 200 yards, or two football fields for the Americans, away from a police station. The police knew children had taken Bulger from the tapes, and in addition to investigating the scene for clues, they had checked with nearby schools for an absentee list for the period in question. From this list, many were named as the possible killer. They focused mainly on troubled kids but it was ultimately an anonymous call that led to the arrest. The caller told police that both boys had been absent that day and that Venables had blue paint on his jacket sleeve. The police visited the two boys and found more paint and blood on clothing, and the two were arrested as the killers. During separate interviews, the boys would turn on one another, and eventually Venables confessed, saying, I did kill him. What about his mom? Will you tell her I'm sorry? Thompson, however, would not break so easily. He denied everything but gave himself away by describing the clothes Bulger had worn on the day in detail. They were charged, but because they were minors, they were not named in the press. The public cried for the death penalty, a life for a life. 
Thompson's remorseless demeanor had earned him the nickname the boy who did not cry and led many to believe that he was the ringleader in the whole ordeal but as previously stated we just don't know. A court-appointed psychiatrist analyzed them and determined that the boys were not sociopaths but could not determine a motive. When they were handed a guilty verdict, they would become Britain's youngest convicted killers in 250 years. In the end, they were sentenced to a minimum of eight years, at which point they were evaluated and then deemed to have no violent behavior. Then they were released back into the world with new and secret identities in 2001. But it doesn't end there. What happened next? Both were given their new identities, but we know that in 2010, Venables went back to jail after he was allegedly caught with child pornography. Upon his release in 2014, he was given a second new secret identity, and then in 2018, he admitted to having a pedophilia manual that was a how-to for having sex with girls and was sentenced to 40 months in jail. Bulger's father called for the removal of Venable's secret identity for the safety of the public. However, in 2019, a judge ruled it was to remain for his safety. Thompson has an identity protection all over the world. Just the act of searching for his address can lead to prison time. What we do know is that so far, he is not reoffended. We still don't know why they chose to murder James Bulger. Some theorize that it goes back to their childhood. Thompson's father left and his mother was said to be an alcoholic and depressed. But even then, he had no history of violence. A new theory suggests that they did it because the two boys were envious of a child who was loved when they themselves came from a quote-unquote bad home. The documentary that this theory comes from also suggests that Bulger may have been killed out of panic, that after taking him, they didn't know what to do with him. This is a theory that James Bulger's mother, Denise, finds sickening and infuriating, in part due to the one-sided, almost positive light that the two killers have placed on them. The surveillance footage and the interviews of the two boys is available online, if you want to go look for it. Like the Arbud Dwyer video and the Black Dahlia photos, I'm not going to link them here. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the audio version on your podcast app of choice. Links in the description. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always... I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme and to thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.